Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 25th of December, 2023, the 13th of Tevet, 5784, coming to you this morning from beautiful Gush Etzion, the hills of Judea, south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. And it is my honor once again this week to have Eve Harrow on the show, host of Rejuvenation, Director of Tourism and Education for the One Israel Fund. Eve is actually getting ready to lead a solidarity mission with Israel, which starts this evening, Monday night here in Israel. Eve, let's start by talking about the mission. What is the goal? What is the purpose? How many people are coming? Where are they coming from? Give me all the details of the One Israel Fund mission. All right. So um, we put together what I hope sounds like a really, really nice group of people. Um, many of them have not been involved before with One Israel Fund. It's a little bit different than the solidarity missions that have been coming in for the past few weeks. Amazing people. It's some people coming on missions with their synagogue. Some people just coming individually, spending all day picking strawberries, making sandwiches for soldiers, just doing such kindness and uh, really strengthening and being strengthened, of course, by the Israelis. Um, this is a little bit different because uh, One Israel Fund is works heavily in Judea and Samaria, which sadly other organizations do not. Um, they stop at the so-called Green Line and the vast amounts of funds that have been raised in the United States over the past couple of months to buy all kinds of things and do things for Israelis, unfortunately doesn't really come into these areas. And so we find ourselves almost alone um, in doing things for the first responders who are now guarding all of our communities. Because the young guys, you know, you come to the gate of one of our communities, Josh, and it's somebody who's clearly seen, seen 40, right? And then he's there because all the young guys are in Gaza or, you know, Lebanon or northern part of the country. So so we're, it's only three days. Um, one day in here in Gush Etzion. Another day will be in the Shamron, in Binyamin, the Shiloh area. And another day, we're going down uh, to, I hope, to Nativa Asara, which is one of the communities that was infiltrated on October 7th, and people were killed. Um, but we have done work there for a long time, and some of the equipment that we gave them before October 7th, uh, thankfully, saved some lives. So it's going to be very intense. Also dinner with refugees, also making a barbecue for soldiers, also picking lettuce. My people are going to be very, very tired when they get back on the plane at the end of the week, but I hope that it's meaningful for them. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe somebody will contemplate Aliyah and see the the, the reasons, the reasons that, that all the Jews should come home to the land of Israel here. And, you know, it sounds counterintuitive, especially with what we're going through now with war and what happened on October 7th. But nevertheless, the things I'm seeing from across the world, uh, anti-Semitism and whatnot, I still feel safer here more than anywhere else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our, our opening speaker tonight is Carolyn Glick. I've heard of her. Uh, heard of her. You've heard of her. I'm yes. sure everybody has, <laughs> and I'm sure she's. You know, she always has a fabulous perspective. Not usually upbeat, <laughs> right? Jeremiah would have felt very much at home having dinner with her, but um, she tells it like it is, you know. And that's what we need to hear, as painful and difficult as it is. And you talk about, you know, people coming to Israel, and you know, some people might be listening and saying, "What are you out of your minds, Josh? Hey, what are you saying? And you're at a war, and there's this, and the government, and the politics, and the reform, and then and then." But, you know, I don't know about you, not all my kids are perfect. And because I love them so much, I did whatever I could to whatever. They needed a therapy, they needed counseling, whatever it is. Israel's far from perfect. And those of us who love her and 
have the incredible joy and privilege to be able to live here are the ones who get to work on making it the country that we know that it can be. And that's the difference. The true love comes not from walking into a perfect, any kind of relationship, but being able to say it's not perfect and together we're going to make it better. And that's yeah, absolutely. the challenge of our lives. Yeah. And if, you know, those, again, as just to reflect on what you were saying, those who say Israel's not perfect and people here are pushy and all the other stereotypes and whatever that comes with, with being in Israel. So, you know, as I always tell people, if you're not happy, if, if you're not happy with the way that things are here, come on over, make Aliyah and make it better. Do, do what you can to make it better. The war, absolutely. We are on the stage. The war is, uh, is raging down in the south, up in the north. Uh, really, really difficult weekend. I hate to even talk about it. And, you know, on one hand, I'm seeing tremendous successes by the IDF in terms of terrorists being eliminated, terrorists killed, certain areas. I think they announced last night that basically the underground terror tunnel network in northern Gaza has been dismantled. So amazing accomplishments. And then unfortunately, uh, you know, we had on Sunday, I think there were 14 funerals of yeah, hard to talk about it, our, our idea of soldiers who were killed down there. Just, you know, where are you right now? Where is your headspace in terms of uh, in terms of the war, there's the good, there's the bad, there's the positive, there's the negative. We're taking out top Hamas commanders. May they rot in hell. Um, but at the same time, we're paying uh, we're paying a heavy price uh, with our with our with our kids. So where, where's your headspace right now? Paying a very heavy price. And uh, those of us, especially those of us who live in Judea and Samaria, I don't know a family that doesn't have somebody somewhere on the front lines and paying the price for that as well. I think 40 percent of the soldiers who've been killed are either, you know, the crocheted kippa wearers, have li- grew up in Judea and Samaria, live here now, went to school here, somehow connected. Because, you know, you talk about, and we talk about that, that education is everything. And, you know, we might be knocking out the Hamas commanders, but all of their children have been educated towards jihad and try and destroying the Jewish state. And that's what our problem is so big. I don't see any innocence over there. Because education, as anybody knows, is the key. It's the key to how your children are going to see the world. And our children clearly see the world as, see Israel as the place that has to be defended. We have no other home. We understand hate. Finally, it takes us a while to get it. Mm-hmm. But when we get it, we get it. And our soldiers have been doing really astonishing things. But, you know, each one is a world of its own. The young ones never married, never started a family, just beginning. The older ones, the reserves, the 33s and 41-year-olds leaving behind widows and children who will not you know, get to grow up um, with their father and, and the whole circle of friends and family, it's its beyond heartbreaking. It really is. It's just, there really are no words. So where am I? I'm thinking that the world's pressure is uh, causing us to lose soldiers because it, they're going into buildings, it turns out, are trapped or they're Hamas terrorists waiting in there or they've been, you know, or they're sitting there with RPGs. They're shooting at, and some. a lot of the soldiers were killed in an, in an APC couple that that was hit um, and on a road that was supposedly cleaned and safe and obviously wasn't. And so um, this pressure to worry so much about the Gazans, okay? Like, personally, I think we should stop all the humanitarian aid. I have never heard of a country that fed the enemy while they were fighting him. And if they're upset, and Hamas is already shooting at Gazans trying to get food. Okay, because they want it all for themselves and and to keep their oxygen going literally so that they can fight us. 
And I just think that we have to do something incredibly difficult and difficult for all of us. Also, nobody likes to see children suffering in any way, shape or form, even if they are part of a greater evil society. Um, but we have to say that's it. Nothing is going through until either Hamas surrenders, you know, or we can finish this war um, without any more of our soldiers dying. I'm very sorry, but the, the Israelis and the soldiers and and our hostages are more their lives are more important to me than the Gazans. If you don't like that, then maybe you shouldn't be listening to our radio station. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I asked that question on on Instagram, I think, the other day, is I don't understand uh, why we're the only country in the world at war with an enemy, and yet we are lining up trucks to provide them with food and with humanitarian aid. doesn't make any sense to me. Yesterday, I actually saw a video of, you know, when the trucks come in, whether it's from us or whether it's from uh, Egypt or whatnot, um, you know, groups of people just trying to jump on the trucks and take whatever they can because of Hamas, of course, steals all the aid that comes in. So, you know, we're providing the aid. And at the end of the day, we're actually providing it directly to Hamas. But there was one case, yeah, it's insane. There was one case where a, a, a little boy was shot by Hamas and killed. And his family, um, again, I don't know if they're Zionists, but the family said that we, I don't care, we will fight to the last man against Hamas for what they did, where they killed this kid in the, in the family. And, you know, I would hope that there are more people in Gaza. And again, you know, I, how many civilians are actually in Gaza? I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, I think if we provide less humanitarian aid, I mean, I would like to stop it entirely. I think it's insane. But I think the people, as this family's decided to do, they've decided they are going to turn on Hamas and they're going to fight to the last man. And I don't know if it's a Hamula, if it's a clan of 20 people, 30 people, or 100 people, because that's how they live. It's a clan-based society. People don't really uh, understand that. But if this one clan can make a dent and they say that they're going after Hamas because the way they're being treated, you know, who knows? Maybe somehow that can spill over and the next family and the next clan and the next clan will say, Enough is enough. This is we, you know, we finally understand what Hamas is doing to us, using us as human shields. They don't care about us at all. They're stealing food literally out of our mouths. I mean, do you think that's realistic that more and more will turn against Hamas? Look, I think we have to, you know, to be realistic in the sense of they're not turning against the Hamas because they, they love the Jews. Right. Okay. They, they're part of that exact same ideology. They turn against the Hamas because right now Hamas isn't being good to them. In the last few years, and you see all these beautiful hospitals and all these beautiful homes in Gaza. I mean, and I'm thinking to myself, everybody's saying they lived like in some open air prison, but right. this stuff, this place. So they were happy when Hamas was providing for them. They were happy. Now they're not happy because Hamas, by attacking Israel, has brought devastation. And but let's not kid ourselves exactly where their where they uh, where their loyalties lie. Yes, first with the tribe, absolutely. But after that, they hate the Jews just as much as anyone else. You know, Josh, I interviewed um, Colonel Richard Kemp a couple of weeks ago. Sure. And he told me something that I, I hadn't known, which is it is actually an international law that Egypt is supposed to be taking these people in. It's called like the North African Refugee something or other. I wrote to Eugene Kontorovich and asked about this. And he said, yes, it's on there. Egypt is legally obliged to do this and simply said no. So, you know, one of the answers, especially for the bleeding hearts who were so worried about all the Gazans is to move them all to northern Sinai, the so-called innocents. Let's leave that aside for now. Set up the camps there, bring all the humanitarian aid you want there, and let Israel finish off the Hamas tunnels and the Hamas terrorists in Gaza without having to worry about 
these people being human shields, et cetera, et cetera. Now that would actually save lives on both sides. And it just shows the hypocrisy of the world and how they really don't want Israel to win this war and they don't care when Israelis die. The fact that something that's already on the books, the, the UN Security Council doesn't have to sit and have any kind of discussion on it. Not that they would do anything for Israel anyway. All right. And these are the kinds of things that if people really cared, um, they would put into play, but they don't. And so we're, we're, you know, we're doing this on our own here. Yeah, no, I mean, we've seen this, you know, you know, the perfect example is UNRWA, an organization started 75 years ago, which is using these people as pawns. There's no way that they want to, they haven't resettled a single individual or their descendants in 75 years. They leave them there as pawns. And the same thing's happening here. They don't want the border to Egypt to be open. Just like they failed in uh, Jordan and Lebanon to resettle these individuals who uh, left here in 1948, the Arabs left in 1948. They want them there as pawns, and they're filling their heads with a hate education. And they preach to them, they teach them, you know, the goal is to go to uh, take over Haifa and Jaffa and Akko and all the cities in so-called Israel, uh, pre-1967 Israel, River to the Sea, and they keep them there, and they're not all. And they pretend they go. If you go on Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, you can see they pretend. Oh, the the Israel is starving the poor Arabs, and they're doing this and that. The humanitarian crisis. First of all, I don't understand. If they're starving, I don't know how they're starving for for two months, not eating anything for two months, which is absolutely baloney. Obviously, there's something to eat there, just like they say there's no electricity, and somehow they're all charging their cell phones and filming and whatnot. Yeah, the entire time. But they are uh, not, um, I mean, they're fooling the world. They're not uh, taking care of their best interests. Uh, they're, they're using these people, UNRWA and all these organizations. And as you said, the most humanitarian thing would be to send them to Egypt. Any other crisis in the world, any other crisis of refugees or war, this and that. I mean, you would think that the human rights, so-called phony, really, really human rights organizations would want to do what's best for these people, get them out of harm's way. They're holding them there as pawns. They will not open the border. They don't care about them. None of the Arab countries, not one Arab country has stepped up and said, bring the Gazans to us. We'll take care of them. Whether, you know, permanently, I would like to see them permanently not there. But, you know, even during times of war, not one single Arab country or Muslim nation has stepped up for these people. Their hate for Israel is so great. Um, it's much greater than their desire to do any good for these individuals. So look, that's, uh, that's during the Syrian civil war, Turkey and Jordan and other countries, not necessarily luminaries of human rights, took in refugees from Syria. And uh, you see that, you know, it just occurs to me. I mean, it's December 25th. I'm, I'm looking out my window right now, Bethlehem. Okay, so one of the joys as a Jew living here in Israel is you don't really notice December 25th. There's no tinsel and music and all that kind of stuff and a lot of the commercial aspect, um, which I used to see um, when I lived in the United States. And uh, one of the lies that, that, that's coming out right now in order to manipulate Christians against Israel, many of our listeners also are celebrating today, is that you know Israel has ruined Christmas. Okay, and as we well know, Bethlehem, which we used to drive through all the time, used to be 80% Christian, 20% Muslim, and is now, since the Palestinian Authority slash Hamas slash PLO uh, took over in 1993, it's now at least 80 to 90% Muslim and just a few Christians left. And they, of course, can't tell the truth because they're living there and they'll get killed, which is you know, people need to understand how intimidated people are. They can't speak freely like you and I can do right now. And uh, so that's something that's been coming out right now. Also, you know, to turn like Jesus was a Palestinian and sure, a lot oh, yeah. of those lies that we've heard over the years. 
and I and I I know our listeners are way, you know understand what's happening, but it's really it's just it's just so sad the efforts to just turn everybody against us. Absolutely, no doubt about that. Um, I want to give you time to go get ready for your group. I would love to crash the group. Like, when are you going to be in Gush Etzion if I am around? I would love to come and stop, just say hello, because I'm sure I have some friends, uh, you know, who are going to be here or going to be on the bus. So we're offline. I'll, I'll forward you the okay. schedule, and we'd be we'd be I'll, happy I'll, to I'll see crash, you. Crash you guys. No, and, uh, we'd be happy to see you. Yeah. But, it's, um, um, it's going to be intense. We're, you know, we're going to Mount Herzl to the section uh, just from this war, which is right. growing uh, every single day. And uh, it's not going to be easy, but this is, you know, one of the things that I remember when my kids went to Poland and, they, you know, after 11th grade, they, the kids sure. used to take a trip to the concentration camps. And I remember looking around the room and seeing in their classes, of course, a lot of kids who, because that's most of Israelis, actually, whose parents did, did not go, grandparents did not go to Auschwitz because the parents were thrown out of Morocco or Libya or Iran and Iraq. You know, most of Israelis source out of the Middle East the Arab and African worlds who threw everybody out in the 1950s, which is the only reason Jews aren't getting persecuted in the Arab world right now, because there are almost none of us left. And everybody went on that trip. You didn't just go on the trip if you'd grown up with a grandmother with, you know, numbers on her arm. You went because everything that happens to Jews happens to Jews, it happens to all of us. We all left Egypt together. We all stood at Sinai. And if some of us were killed in concentration camps, it's like all of us were persecuted. And the same thing with what's happening. If you're not in Israel right now, and you care, though, about the Jewish people, I know that you are crying for us. And the people who come here are feeling that. And it's not simple, and it's not easy, and aren't there many flights, and they're extensive, and coming here to make that stand. And that is why we are going to win. And that is why we are going to continue to exist forever and forever and forever. Not just because God has faith in us, because we have faith in each other. And those are the most important things that we can have right now. Amen to that. Uh, absolutely. 100%. Eve Harrow, host of Rejuvenation here on the Land of Israel Network. Don't miss her podcast, which comes out on Tuesdays, I believe. Yes, Tuesdays is her day. It's ready to go. Ready to go for tomorrow. And because now she's going to be doing her thing with the One Israel Fund, Director of Education and Tourism for the One Israel Fund. So have a great mission. Thank you for your time today. I know it, uh, you are jam-packed with your schedule. Have a great Mission and please God between now and um, yeah, I appreciate between now and next Monday to my listeners. Please God, we will have good news. Maybe between now and next Monday, a total victory over Hamas, the release of all our hostage hostages and um, and Gaza not being a threat anymore. Those three things. That's really what we need. So big shout out to Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. Ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire. It is the 25th of December 2023, those who are celebrating, happy holidays to you. It's also the 13th of Tevet. 5784, get in touch with me during the week, josh at thelandofisrael.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all of the social media platforms. And um, I said it, I'll give you an email again, josh at thelandofisrael.com. Send me a note. <coughs> Excuse me, happy to read your note on the air. Most importantly, as I speak to you here from Gush Etzion, a beautiful day here in the hills of Judea. Everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours, be safe. Be safe. Shalom, shalom from Gush Etzion, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everyone.